Tuesday, September 6th here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. The first full weekend of college football is in the books. Quite a weekend as well. One of the best that I have seen. One of the best that I think anyone has seen in recent memory. Chuck's out of here. Mark Schofield out for the day. Actually, he's out for the week. Wrapping up his final scouting reports before the NFL regular season takes off. We are going to be talking college football today with that first uh, first weekend in the books. Before we do go any further, I just want to remind our listeners that today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film in order to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon, and you get one free breakdown when you sign up today. Joining me today here, since Mark is gone, we've got probably... I don't know. He might actually be better than Mark when it comes to college football. So um, maybe I'll leave it up to him. But Trevor Sycamore is joining me today, and Trevor, appreciate you joining me. Hey, I don't, I don't want to say better, but uh, I mean you are probably right on that. So I, I won't correct you for it. Well, look, if uh, all I'm saying, Mark's out for the week. He's he's wrapping some stuff up. So if you f- if you want to fill in this week and maybe you know kind of audition for the gig, I'm just saying I <laughs> I, I, I can pull the strings a little bit for you here. Hey, live audition. I like it. I like it. It puts a little pressure on this interview right here. Right into the fire. It's the way that we do it. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the games that we saw uh, over the weekend. Obviously, you know, full slate of games. I think we, we probably have to start uh, with arguably, you know, one of the best regular season games, especially this early in a regular season, uh, pretty much ever I think and this is we're talking about this this Notre Dame Texas game uh from uh the other night T- talk to me about what you saw in this game did, did you watch this first of all I'm, I'm really throwing you on the spot if, if you didn't actually no 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 of course I uh I definitely watched this one certainly it's a it's a crazy first week of college football but uh it was actually great that they were able to space this one out and put it on Sunday so kind of everybody could watch like you said probably what might go down is the game of the year, one of the best games that we've seen in a really long time. And it, the thing is that it involved two programs that have such a rich history. I know people kind of roll their eyes at that. I know a lot of people don't like Notre Dame for that reason, and the, the same is for Texas. But holy cow, if you turned on that game and you just kind of put those uh, biases or thoughts aside, this game was incredible. And you got to watch a program in Texas that we haven't seen be – electric or dynamic in so long, really since Vince Young was around. And uh, they got, they're almost running a, a two-quarterback system with, with that young quarterback just taking over, almost looking like Manziel looked in his first year. And it was just so incredible to watch from a team that, uh, you know, I tweeted at the beginning of the game, I was like, am I, am I actually having fun watching the <laughs> Texas game? Yep. You know, it's just something that hasn't happened in so long. And then obviously the thing with Notre Dame as well, wondering who was going to start at quarterback. You have uh, two guys who are prospect worthy guys and they go end up going with Deshaun Kaiser and boy, did he look great. Um, even, even though it was in the loss, he was able to step up great. And just it, the, the energy was so high in this game and it's exactly what you would want it to be. And I think the two, uh, the two quarterbacks who played the most really stepped up to the occasion. And that's when you really get a great football game. So I couldn't believe it. 
Well, and, and as you mentioned, Deshaun Kaiser, obviously, you know, all of the buzz or a lot of the buzz after this game, even though Notre Dame lost, as you mentioned, was on Kaiser. You know, five touchdowns, no picks, 15 to 24. So a little bit of room for improvement from an accuracy perspective there. But in terms of, you know, being able to place the ball and make the reads that he needed to at the right time, the decision making and everything was there. The, the execution didn't always come out quite the way you wanted. But, but this is a guy that, you know, really, and I heard people saying that he lifted his draft stock, you know, might be the next quarterback off the board after Deshaun Watson here. Big way mm-hmm. to start the year for the kid. Yeah, and it's, I think what the takeaway from his game is how easy he made it look. And I, w- I, was, I was telling a friend of mine who uh, I was watching the game with, every time he loaded up, you know, when he points his shoulder up and he might be going deep, I said the words out loud. I was like, oh, God, just because you don't know what's going to happen. This dude is so huge. He has so much power um, in his arm and in his frame. He's just a natural. You could tell. And not only um, in effortless passes that were going 20, 30 yards down the field, but also in his touch. We saw him be poised, make a couple of reads. He had that one touchdown where he pump faked it, was able to roll all the way left, and then find his guy open for the touchdown. Yep. It, was, it was impressive because he was able to do stuff like that. You know, he's not just the next big, tall, strong-armed quarterback that NFL teams are going to take a reach for because, you know, you can't teach that height, can't teach that power. This guy shows a lot of the natural ability that you want to see from quarterbacks, including adapting well to pressure and those touch passes. So even though the accuracy could um, could obviously improve, what you really want to see is him be able to control the velocity on some of those passes, and he did a good job of that last night. Other side of the uh, the ball, looking at this Texas team here, obviously uh, coming in, I think, you know, everyone was wondering what kind of Texas team was going to show up. And certainly, you know, the, the amount of fight and the, the toughness that you got out of this Texas team, I think, is something that has been lacking in recent years. What stood out to you the most, and in particular, any players that stood out to you the most for Texas? Well, certainly um, the quarterback, how do you say his last name? No I idea. No idea. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, so I was calling him just in the middle of the game. I was just calling him like telling my friend, he looks like a young Manziel. And that guy, he just, he was incredibly impressive. Again, a really young kid who was able to uh, keep, keep his feet firm in the moment, which is something good. It's what you want. And then, holy cow, when you talk about a Charlie Strong coach team, when you think of Charlie Strong, he is just this big, strong dude who has a lot of energy. Um, and his team, I've been waiting for Texas to really hone in on that. And we saw that last night um, with Deontay Foreman, that running back. He, he looked like the second coming of Cedric Benson back there with some of the things that he was doing. And then Tyrone Swoops, you know, this guy's been on Texas for yep. a couple of years now. And we've seen him here and there. And, you know, as a quarterback, we've kind of rolled his eyes at what he was doing. But he looked like a Mack truck there in overtime. They Lowering the boom. The Unbelievable like, stuff. And, and you just and that I'm telling you that is just a team feeding off of their coach, and so that's what was impressive to me. And of course, the defense, Charlie Strong, obviously a defensive guy. You got to see Malik Jefferson and a couple of the other dudes um, really get into the face uh, of those Notre Dame players, and that's that's just a reflection of the coach. And so, like I said, it's been a long time coming that I've been waiting for this Texas team to really take on the identity of Charlie Strong. Um, because I, I watched what it did at the University of Florida when it comes to uh, all the wins they were able to accumulate under him as D.C., and uh, it, it seems like it finally has for Texas, and it's great for them, and it's great for Coach Strong. Yeah, and, and really, you look at that Texas team, you got a couple weeks to kind of get your bearings here again after this big win. You got UTEP next week, you got Cal the week after, bye week, 
and then you're right into it. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma back to back there. So you know those those two weeks I think are going to be pretty critical as you start to see where this Texas team can actually go from here. Let's turn and talk a little bit of SEC ball. How about that? All right, sure. All right, so I, I got a couple options for you. You take your pick in terms of where you want to start. We can start with Georgia, All North right. Carolina. Okay, we can go Georgia, North Carolina if you want. Or, okay, obviously we can talk Bama, USC. Which one would you prefer? Let's let's start with Georgia, North Carolina, and then we'll get around to that Bama, USC. Okay, so talk to me about what you saw from this Georgia team. Obviously, the big question going in, Nick Chubb, what's he going to be able to do? Comes out, 32 carries, 222 yards, two tugs. Looked, you know, passable. I mean, it's it's like he didn't miss a beat. It really is, and that's crazy because when you think about what he did, to his knee and how he's coming out. This is the first football game he's played since. And, uh, you know, you go back to Adrian Peterson's injury when, when he blew out his knee and, you know, he comes back in a short amount of time and doesn't miss a beat. And these guys are just freaks. They're freaks of nature. And Nick Chubb, you know, we saw coming into Georgia, We everybody's seen that image of him uh, doing the high jump before a track meet and he's, yep. he's jumping what seems to be over two cars or something. And uh, you, you see his athleticism there, but then you also see um, what kind of an athlete this guy is and how he recovers. And playing the running back position is obviously you're going to get beat up a lot. So it was incredible to see him be able to put on those kinds of performances, have that kind of burst. And just from what I've heard here and there with so many players is that they're scared. You know, And, and it's not that they do it on purpose or not, but when you go through a traumatic injury like that, coming back and putting yourself in the exact same situations for that to happen again, Yep. It worries, it worries a lot of players, and you could just see Nick Chubb from the first carry. Right when he got that first carry, he popped back up, and he went, man, I'm good, and he turned into the guy that we all thought he would be. Um, the surprise story wasn't Chubb being dominant, to be honest. It was actually, to me, that Jacob Eason ended up taking over and completing that game for them because, you know, Grayson Lambert, I, I did a lot of studying of him uh, last year, working for SEC Country, doing some film breakdowns, and um, – you know, I knew he wasn't the long-term answer, but I, I did not think that the Jacob Beeson era would start this early, and they ended up pulling him pretty quick. But I guess, hey, when you've got a running back like Nick Chubb and you know Jacob Beeson's the future, might as well ease him in now and learn him later. Talking with Trevor Sikama about the Georgia Bulldogs right now. Before we go further, just want to remind our listeners that today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football. Crossover can help coaches win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a whole lot of other great information that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your formations and your personnel packages can be labeled with your own terminology, and you can create custom highlight reels and exchange video with anyone on any platform. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with the K dot com slash pylon to get one breakdown for free today. Trevor, digging into this game a little bit more, two questions for you. The first is obviously this North Carolina team, the, the big Achilles heel for them at the end of last year was that run defense. It appears to still be a major problem for them. First question is, is that something that is going to really prevent this team from achieving what it could this year? You know, there, there was a lot of buzz about this team, you know, and obviously the uh, the Coastal Division has not been the strongest division in the ACC the last several years, but a lot of buzz that this might be the team to turn the corner here. 
But you, you look at some of the teams they're going up against, especially you've got Florida State, Virginia Tech. You know, you've got some teams, you know, Georgia Tech, teams with good running games. They've got some problems to figure out. Yeah, and, and th- th- unfortunately they have to get it figured out pretty quick because uh, they play James Conner in Pittsburgh in, in three weeks and then they play Dalvin Cook in four weeks. Yeah, so, I forgot I forgot um, Connor's back. Yeah, you've got them too. Yeah, which which was you know, when he's when he's full when he's fully healthy and he's going on all cylinders, he's one of the top backs as well. So it's a, it's a crazy year around the entire country for running backs, no doubt. So like you said, not a real good year to be shaky and run defense. So um I you know it really, it, it's all going to start up front, obviously, and for any team, especially with North Carolina, and being able to stop the run um, and being able to control the line of scrimmage is something that you have to do, or it's just, you'll get into these teams that'll be able to basically do play action at will once they can run at will, because if teams have to focus more on what you're running, then you're opening them up in the passing game, too. And we've seen too many, too many teams and too many schools get creative with what they're doing offensively. You know, they play Miami a couple games after that Florida yep. State game. You know, they have Brad Kaya. They'll have Sam Bruce back at that point. And, um, you know, so it doesn't, it, like I said, it doesn't really get any easier for them. They've got to unfortunately get figured out pretty quick here because if you can't stop the run, you're right. It, it doesn't really matter what you're doing anywhere else in the defense. If you can't start it there, then, uh, then you're going to have trouble doing whatever you can. With Georgia. You mentioned the uh, the switch over to Jacob Eason, obviously coming earlier than people expected here. Nick Chubb still picked up 32 carries. Georgia only threw the ball 20 times for the entire game. I'm guessing that's something they don't want to be doing every game. You don't want to be running Chubb 30 times a game if you don't have to. How quickly do you think they can get Eason up to speed, and how important is it for them to get him up to speed to make this last for the rest of the year? Well, obviously, you know, Coach Kirby Smart, with him bringing in the new era, it's kind of like he's just bringing in fresh air no matter where it is. So, obviously, Ethan, uh, the number one quarterback coming out, um, according to a lot of rankings, he has the talent. And like I said, Grayson Lambert wasn't going to be the long-term answer anyway. So, when you know that you can kind of impose your will in the running game, you might as well get the quarterback's feet wet early. And you saw um, Ethan connect with uh, Isaiah McKenzie. For a long touchdown there, and they have dynamic players on offense to make Easton's job a lot easier. And so, whereas stepping into a situation like that may have been tougher at other schools, uh, it's not that tough at Georgia. Not to say that they have uh, incredible wide receivers or an incredible cast, but I think that they have the pieces in the right area to make sure that Easton not only gets his confidence up as a quarterback. Um, but it's also able to be comfortable in what they're doing. And so, you know, you're right. I don't think they're going to pass the ball that little every game, but I don't think they're going to ask Jacob Eason to do what they expect him to do, say, in even next year or the year after that. Yep. So um, it, it, it's not a team that I see throwing the ball 40 times a game, um, and I, I don't think that they, they even want Eason to do that, maybe even if he can. It's, it's going to go through Chubb no matter who's the quarterback, and if that's going to be the case, you know, Kirby Smart's looking at it, hey, why not get my guy of the future ready and get his feet wet and get him acclimated to game speed if I know I don't have to rely on him right away anyways. You know, they have a couple games before the SEC schedule really kicks off, yep. so, you know, why not? Trevor, we got about five minutes left here. I'm going to put it up to you for uh, for the last game that we go through today. What what, what do you want to uh, wrap up with here? Uh, let's talk Houston, Oklahoma. Okay, okay. What What do you got for me? I just I, I I could not continue to be more impressed 
by what Tom Herman is doing with that school. Not only with you know bringing, uh, getting the most out of a quarterback like Greg Ward, um, who's racking up tons of yards, tons of touchdowns, and not only that has improved so much as a player um, during Tom Herman's short time there already, but he's also uh, recruited guys like Ed Oliver, who are already contributing a huge amount, who already have NFL buzz as 18-year-olds. He's getting these kids to come to Houston, yep. which is crazy. You know, and you you go up against the number three team in the nation, a team that was in the college football playoff last year, and Houston like looks like they were the better team. They did. They not only walked away, they not only walked away the better team, but they looked like the better team the whole time. And so, you know, I just I think there are things that are that need some work in Oklahoma's offense. I think I, not that I, I don't want to say the speed is the only issue, but it seems so things are working too fast. You know, if you get one incompletion in Oklahoma's offense, they run so high up tempo that one incompletion almost kills an entire drive. Yep. You, you think if you have, if you pass on first down, if that's incomplete, then if you run it, maybe three yards, four yards, then you're always looking at third down. And that's such a tough place to put yourself in the hole. Especially, that's, you talk about that, and you're only 20 seconds off the game clock. So I think Oklahoma puts a lot more pressure on themselves than they need to, and that's something they're going to work out as the year goes on, although they don't have a lot of time to do that. They're going to be playing Ohio State pretty soon. But I, even with that said, hats off to Houston. Couldn't believe it. You know, you lose William Jackson the third in the secondary, and it's like they didn't even miss a beat. I, I was just so impressed by by what Houston did and what Tom Herman is still doing at that school, that uh, they deserve the shout-out and they deserve a lot of recognition for what's going on down there. Trevor, quick, I want to dig into that a little bit more because beyond just Houston, we saw you know an Appalachian State team give Tennessee a very difficult time. Uh, we saw in the um, the UCLA game a Texas A and N team that you know kind of played I think above where people expected, as well as that UCLA team maybe not quite being where they expected. You know, we've heard an awful lot about how the parity level in college football is never going to be there because the rich are always just going to get richer. It's not like basketball. You need so many resources to compete. But in the last couple of years, and again, you've got teams like TCU that have been able to move up. You know, you, you've had teams that are able to thrive in unorthodox situations. It seems like, look, we may not get the parity that we have in college basketball, but it seems like we have a whole lot more than we had 8, 10, 12 years ago. Am I wrong on this? No, I think you're totally right. And especially this year, you, you look at so many unranked teams um, that that were able to not only put up fights, but also come up with upsets. And, and that's obviously something that people want to see, but it, it, it all comes down to coaching, man, just like it did for Texas. You take on the identity of your coach. And I think that in week one especially, um, you're putting a fire under some kids and you, and you watch people and players come out of the tunnel and just be ready. Like they are, like they have waited 10, eight months, whatever it is for this game. And for this moment, we saw so many of those plays, even in the LSU Wisconsin game, I watched that game and LSU clearly the more talented team clearly. And Wisconsin just, that Wisconsin defense stood up one of the best running back prospects we've seen in years in Leonard Fournette. And, was able to shut down wide receivers like Malachi Dupree and Travander Allen. You know, they were able to exploit so many of LSU's weaknesses despite not having the talent there. And I think that there is a lot more parity in college football than people realize. And, you know, even though the teams at the end of the year probably, you know, it's probably a rotation of six teams. You know, you got Florida State, Alabama, Ohio State. But, you know, those teams, I don't know if 
those court ones at the end of the year are much harder to change, certainly. But on a week-to-week basis, yeah, I think upsets and uh, and teams playing above their talent level is higher now than we have than we have seen it in in recent futures. Well, Trevor, I'll tell you what, we are out of time, but this has been. Uh... This has been better than Mark Scott. No, I'm, I I can't do that to him. But it's 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 been awesome, man. Really, I mean, it's it's been I too can't long. Do that to him <laughs> it's it's been too long since we last talked, and we'll definitely have to get you back on soon to uh, talk a little more college ball. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, next time I'm on, make sure that Mark shows up. Look, he, I he's avoiding you. I can't I can't really hide it anymore. But hey, he's got he's he's got to face the conversation. Next time he will. I'll make sure. I'll, I'll look. I'll I'll trick him into it. We'll make sure that it happens. So, in any case, uh, thanks again for stopping by, and we'll check in with you soon. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Trevor Sikamo talking a little bit of college ball. We're done for the day tomorrow. What are we going to be talking? I believe we're talking with. Uh, actually, no. We're going to be talking Dave Archibald from Inside the Pylon coming up on tomorrow's edition of the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. <laughs>